All right, our Father in the heavens, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom realm arrive and your will and desires come into being upon the earth as in heaven. Give us our daily bread today and forgive us, release us from our debts as we forgive and release those who are indebted to us. Lead us not towards temptation and trials and affliction, but rather deliver us from the pain and the agony that results from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory for all ages at this moment and in every moment to come. Amen. So let it be. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' Prayer, the Our Father, uh, whatever you call it, it's our new, uh, new mini-series where we're spending our time these weeks leading up to Advent. And we're taking each petition one week at a time, and we're digging into its context, into its linguistic particularities, into its meanings, while simultaneously attempting to interweave sacred space both here and maybe some sacred space even back at home upon which to contemplate what it is that Christ is teaching us here in this prayer, taking this prayer, if you will, from our head, from something that are memorized words and transplanting them into our hearts. We talked about this last week, from classroom to gymnasium, from knowledge to meditation to transformation, allowing God's grace to recreate us, to reform us in that living relationship we have within the Trinity and also within community with each other. And we can do that with each and every breath that is taken through a life of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, as we contemplate and meditate upon these words of Christ, we simply ask that it would be your will and your kingdom that lead us through the Spirit. So that way with new eyes and new hearts, new hands and feet, new ears, you would transplant your more sacred heart within us so that way when we leave this place, when we go about our every day, that the liturgy of this prayer would form the liturgy of the rest of our week. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Hold on a second. All right. So last week, last week, first petition, right? Our Father. Yeah? Our Father in the heavens. Our Father in the heavens is close as the air in our lungs, whose presence extends to the infinite reaches of the cosmos, whose name is to be kept holy, to be kept set, set apart or sacred, revered and glorified, right? Our Father in the heavens, may your name be kept holy above all else. And today we're going to see in the second petition, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is the way in which we can keep his name holy above else. Right, we're talking about the one who created everything. The one who is worthy of everything. The lover of all he creates, who fills his creation with life. This is who is worthy of our love. 
This is who is worthy of our honor, worthy to hold at the very center of our lives. And so after contemplating that first petition, and now with God rightly at the center, we can be bold to pray the next petition. We now, with God rightly at center, can say, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Literally, the words here, may the kingdom realm of yours. Like, so may, may everything that's in the realm of your kingdom, so everything, right? The realm of God is, 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 is everywhere at all times and in all places. So may that kingdom realm of yours arrive, is what we're praying, for that to arrive, and for your will and desires, literally the will and desires of you, would they come into being? Would they manifest themselves in actual existence upon the earth, just as in heaven? Basileasu, right here, the, the, these words, Basileasu, the kingdom of yours. Thelemasu, the will, the desires of you. You as in God's divine kingdom and will, yeah? You as in our Father, the one who art in the heavens, whose name it is that we're keeping hallowed. Because let's face it, we all have our own little kingdoms, don't we? You know, for some, it may be the kingdom of the garage. Or maybe it's the kingdom of your music studio. Or maybe, you're the, maybe your kingdom is the kingdom of the kitchen. Or, or, or a kingdom of the garden, right? We've all got our little kingdoms. Maybe it's the kingdom of the sports world. Maybe that's your thing. Or, or you're the, you're, your kingdom is books and words and learning. Or perhaps your kingdom, it's the kingdom of your yard, how your yard looks, or your landscaping, or the, the kingdom is your office. Or maybe for some, it's the kingdom of partisan politics. I, you name it. We all have our little kingdoms. We all have our domains, if you will. But God is telling us throughout the scriptures, throughout the gospels, and especially through the words of Christ here, and especially even further through the death and the resurrection and ascension of Christ. You see, when you put all of this together, the scriptures of the Old Testament, the Gospels, the words of Christ here through his death, his resurrection, his ascension, that none of those little kingdoms really work all on their own. The kingdom of God includes all these things, right? The kingdom of God includes all the other little kingdoms that we create, that we think we're the domain of, but the kingdom of God is in and of itself none of those things. And so through these words of his prayer, through the words of this prayer, Christ is giving us a pattern for life, a pattern of unceasingly attempting to live in his larger, more beautiful kingdom. Jesus is inviting us here to break out of our little kingdoms and instead jump two feet into the eternal current of his much larger, more beautiful kingdom a daily pattern of turning around, of changing our mind and surrendering to God's will and desires above and beyond our own petty wills and desires. 
Surrendering to reality. Like we talked about last week, the right side up reality of how God desires and wills this, this whole thing to be. There's a word that comes up over and over again in the Gospels. It's the word metanoia, yeah? You ever heard the word, the word metanoia in, in, in the Greek? It comes up over and over again in, in the Gospels. And it's almost always translated to our English word of repent, yeah? Repent, you've heard that word before? Like as in metanoia, John the Baptist says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is, is near. It's that same word metanoia that pops up over and over again in these instances. And, and sometimes I think, though, that the word in English, the, the, this English word repent or repentance, see, that's the thing. Languages have a hard time sometimes translating over. Sometimes they do a great job. Sometimes we can have a really great equivalent word to that. And sometimes, like this one, it's a little more, it's a, it's a little bit harder to kind of capture. And, and sometimes our English word of repent brings up feelings in the here that don't really exist in its original context. It brings up, like, sometimes, I think, feelings of self-pity or even extreme regret. But that's not really the way that the word metanoia is intended to be used here. Uh, meta, literally meaning to go beyond. And then the root word there, noose, is mine. So literally, metanoia, going beyond mind, going beyond your mind, right? So literally going beyond your present state of mind. We would, we would probably even better translate this into you know, our vernacular as we simply, it's changing of our mind, right? Metanoia, repentance as changing our mind. Because let's face it, especially lately, it seems like our present state of mind seems to often be angry or frustrated or bitter. It's where the mind goes oftentimes to these things that it thinks it can fix all on its own and judges and rearranges. And instead, Jesus here is teaching us that our life as prayer can actually help the mind go towards, instead, the kingdom of God to metanoia, to go beyond our present state of mind and instead go towards that of God's state of mind and ultimate will and desires for his kingdom. It's hard, though, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we like things the way that we... We like things the way that we like things, don't we? Uh, we, we like our desires above most. I, even, I mean, I rarely listen to music that is not something that I'm in the mood for or that I'm desiring at the, at the time. That's just a simple um, example. But we like our desires. We, we, we like our desires above most other people. And our will seems to be what carries us through the day. If we, for the most part, if we're not, if our will, what, what we will to have happen is, is what ends up energizing, you know, where we focus and put our attention on. Right, the things that we are willing to do. It, it, it helps us, whatever it is that gets us from point A to point B without much disruption. We really do like when things stay in cruise control, when they're comfortable, when we, when we know what's coming. And then we get frustrated when others don't get our way of doing things or our way of talking about things or our way of understanding the point of, of, of all of this. And so we find ourselves sometimes spending too much time too much precious time trying to get others to metanoia, change their mind, and repent towards our understanding of things, our kingdoms, and our will and desires, instead of focusing 
on the only thing here we really can control, and that's to surrender our wills and desires to the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. May your kingdom arrive. May your will and desires come into being upon the earth as it is in heaven. This kingdom of God where transformation takes place and true growth can happen, where our being can touch this right side up of reality for even but a brief moment on earth as it is in heaven. And now this word for heaven, arano, the word that Matthew records has become singular. It's no longer plural heavens like it was in that first petition, but it's as in may the eternal and complete presence of God, right? We live in this already but not yet. Christ has already won the victory for us for all of eternity. But it hasn't arrived completely and fully yet. And so this idea of Arano of heaven is this eternal and complete presence of God. It's the already and the yet coming together. And so we're praying that God can that presence dwell here just as it does where your eternal and complete presence brings shalom and wholeness and restoration. We're praying, let those things, Father, your will and desires, be done right here, right now, on this earth, just as it is in heaven. And although God's will and desire for his kingdom are perfectly capable of coming all on its own, right? God's will, God's desire, God's kingdom, it can come all on its own, because let's face it, God is... God is God. God is the designer of this, of this entire cosmos thing. God's will and desires, his kingdom are capable of coming on its own, but he gives us the dignity of causality in this prayer. Did you pick up on that? Jesus is giving us the dignity of causality in this prayer. We receive now an invitation to join in that good work of bringing heaven to where we live, into our neighborhoods, our schools, all those little domains and kingdoms that we, that we claim are ours. It's an invitation of bringing heaven to our workplace and everywhere in between. We receive an invitation here for our hearts to long for what God's heart's heart longs for. And what is it that God's heart longs for? If, even if you want to read it in immediate context to where this prayer is being taught, just look through those Beatitudes we read earlier. Read through the Sermon on the Mount. Read through the life of Jesus. Read through the Old Testament scriptures and, and into Paul's letters. We can see what it is that God's heart is longing for. And through the work of the Spirit, we get to play a part and what it looks like for his kingdom and his will and his desires to be done with each and every moment we have this gift that we call life. One of the most subversive aspects of Jesus' life is that he only did what he saw his father in heaven doing. Jesus didn't generate a plan of his own and then simply ask God to bless it. That's what we do a lot of times. Think about that. Where we generate our own plans, we get everything going the way that we think it should go, we think it should go, we think it should go. God, come on, please, bless my plan that I've got going. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus instead watched for the way God was moving in the world already, and he joined into that work that his father had set apart to do. 
Jesus paid attention to that eternal current, that flow of the Spirit, that eternal current that started at the beginning before the beginning and continues all the way into the infinite cosmos, into infinity. Jesus paid attention to the flow of that Spirit, to where it was blowing, and then humbly learned how to lean into that Spirit, never missing the part, the mark. Because the invitation to Jesus here is participation. It's really the starting point of any journey of living with Christ's heart transplanted with ours, right? It's an everyday reality and necessity for transformation in the spirit. It's a recentering of the whole of life upon the same relationship that the Trinity has within itself, looking forward in hope and upward towards God's redemptive love. May your kingdom realm arrive. May your will and desires come into being upon the earth as it is in heaven. Here, we are opening ourselves to a divine grace that flows from Christ. Transforming our lives through the work of the Spirit all towards the will of the Father. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to simply focus on a few questions, just a couple questions we're going to ponder. And these are questions that we're going to focus on right now here in this space, whether you're in the room with us or you're um, sitting at home with your coffee. These are questions that we can contemplate on this morning, but we also can contemplate on them tomorrow morning when we wake up, the next day. And the first question is, where do you see God already working to bring the kingdom to earth? Where are you already seeing? Sometimes it's so easy for us to focus on, on the negative, focus on the parts that we see God's will and desires not playing out. But where in your life, where in your family, where in your neighborhood, where in your community, where in the larger community or in this globe do you see God already working to bring the kingdom to earth? Where are you noticing God's hand arriving in the midst of this world? Just take a brief moment, take about 20 seconds or so, and just think about where you're already seeing God's hand at work. second question this morning, along the same lines. But where do you long in your heart to see more heaven on earth? Where do you long to see more good news? More good news for the poor, freedom for the captive, sight for the blind, justice for the oppressed. Where do you long to see more of this ethos and kingdom of Jesus? The things that he speaks to us in the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount or in the Old Testament scriptures or throughout the Gospels and the Epistles. Where do you long to see more heaven on earth? Try to be as specific as possible. 
just think of a couple things and take another moment, just another 20 seconds or so, and think about the places where you'd like to see more kingdom of heaven on earth. Finally, third question. In order to join in this good work that God is already doing in your midst, is there anything that you need to let go of? Are there parts of your thinking, are there parts of your ethos, your beliefs, or your attitude that you can identify this morning or tomorrow morning as stemming more from your own will and desires? that seem to contradict those of Christ? What personal kingdoms do you need to let go of, or maybe not let go of, but just loosen your grip on a bit in order to more fully enter the work of his kingdom? Maybe the invitation for you today is to step up into a new boldness. Maybe it's for you to step up into more humble action. Basically, what is the next right step you sense the Spirit inviting you to take with God? for the sake of the world as it is in heaven. Just take another 20 seconds or so and reflect on what your soul needs to let go of in order to more fully jump into Christ's kingdom. Lord Jesus Christ, present here, we thank you for the glory of your resurrection. We thank you for having called us together here. We thank you because you praise the Father perfectly in us. We thank you because you, in and through us, can be justice towards our brothers and sisters. It is you in and through us who continually heal our injustice, our mistrust, and our fear. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great glory. And we offer you what we are about to undertake. Everything we think, we do, and experience during these coming days, in this week, we do it in your honor because of you. We also offer you our fatigue because if we're honest, we're a bit tired from the various events of this week, just as we are in many other days. We are content, Lord, to offer you this fatigue because it is our daily vesture. Grant that weary and tired as we are, we may remain present in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, even as Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, just as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.